Yeah, we uh, yeah, also talk, we got to talk about that. Yes, we're, we'll talk about this. Apologies in advance for the amount of Sopranos questions we'll probably have. Um, I mean, I'll feel those both, too. By the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a heads up: none of us have watched it completely. No Jamie way. Just started. <laughs> watching it she's in season three but i've i've only oh, made wait, it wait. we gotta one. start all right we gotta start this is crazy <laughs> robert's okay. never seen anything except the pilots of each season because he had to go to to events where he, they forced him to watch so. welcome to yeah but still everybody uh Woo. very exciting guest this week brandon you want to go ahead and introduce yes, who we're sir. sitting here with okay well today in the studio today zoom we're doing this on zoom we've got jamie lynn sigler rob eiler Cassim g Hosts of pajama, uh, pajama pants. Also, um, I mean, two of the three guests were the stars of a, a show that some people might have heard of. Um, that apparently you guys are just watching for the first time. Uh, the Sopranos. This is AJ and Meadow Soprano on the pod. But I just, I mean, like a minute ago, you just told us that you're watching that for the first time. Are you fucking with me, or like, have you really not seen the show? No, Rob still hasn't seen it, but I've never. I'm watching it for the very first time right now. What is that like? Um, you know, I'm for whatever reason, I'm so glad that I waited this long because I think there's been enough time that I was such a young girl and I'm not I'm past the like self-critical or anything like the actory thing when you watch yourself act where I can actually be an audience member. Sure. And I feel like I've always had a deep appreciation of being part of that show and from what I knew it meant to people, but I feel as if now I actually really get it. I'm really enjoying it as an audience. I love the story. I love the characters. So it's, it's kind of weird that I'm able to kind of take myself out of it personally and enjoy it as a program and i i love it rob you so just like watch it objectively yeah yes thank you yes yeah and you've straight up never I've, seen it rob no i can't squeeze it in between 90 day fiance and real housewives <laughs> I, just, I don't have the time is what it really is you know? by the it way is. yeah that's hilarious like that's also just a really funny thing that you're able to because it's probably so frustrating for anybody that's like just like probably you know i'm sure you're approached all the time about that and like people reference the show to you and you're just like i don't know i haven't seen it it's probably maddening do people get pissed yeah and i've i've also seen like you know we used to do uh so much stuff together when i was living in new york and we'd always be with a bunch of guys from sopranos and i would see fans come up and i was immediately the first one they would stop talking to even if somebody was just on like three episodes they'd rather talk to them because they can relate to what they're talking about, where they would ask me a question. I'd be like, sorry, I have no idea. And then they'd ask another question. I'd be like, I have, I really, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never seen the show. And they would just kind of back away and go talk to someone else. That's so fucking funny. That's so funny. Also, cause I mean, Brandon just started watching the show. Well, I, I just finished it. It was like a big part of like early core. Yeah. Is like watching it from the beginning. It's, I mean, it's a very seminal show, blah, blah, blah as you guys know but like it's i feel like it was just important for me in terms of like my social circle i think because like i feel like so many of my friends in their like late 20s and early 30s communicate almost exclusively through sopranos references (laughs) and so it was like kind of a disconnect with like some friends and so I, I felt like oh i need to do this just for the sake of like my social life you, need to fit you know in? yeah 
how did it right. hold up to, you know now that you've seen it um and you're how old you're you're like mid I'm 27 okay you're 27 so yeah. as a 27 year old um what is that like because the sopranos just turned what 20 officially so yeah, yeah. i mean it's a yeah it's a timeless yeah. program yeah I mean, so what if good. yeah? What if my answer was like, yeah, no, it's like overrated. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah the I shit mean, sucked. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there are certain things about it that yeah, I don't really you know, get the hype. <laughs> yeah, you guys were okay. Um, I've I've only seen the first season, uh, and um, you know, part of that is because I don't want to look in the first season. Yeah, this is so like, funny to Rob's, me. Rob's my best friend, and I don't want to look at him any differently. Do you know what I mean? I I want to just sure. look at a guy who he's my friend he just he has ocd he's got his own little quirks i don't want to look at little aj soprano you know what i mean like that fact to me <laughs> that you guys have never seen this is hilarious because i was just saying that like brandon started watching us and then like of course he wanted to talk to me about it and he would like come into the podcast and like we would talk later i'm like dude we're not like gonna rehash sopranos episodes randomly on on this podcast <laughs> like 20 years later like everybody's watched this already i'm glad you're watching it but you know, yeah. Oh, I, I'm yeah, not, you I don't want to get... like. I've already talked about it with people. <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny that like Brandon, uh, because of that, has like organized this episode, but he can't even talk to you guys about it because you've never seen it. Well, you yeah you you would shame me. You would shame me for like being like, oh man, I just finished season four, episode ten of The Sopranos. Yeah, <laughs> and then like talking about it on the podcast, and you're like, you nobody wants to hear you talk about this show that everybody already watched yeah <laughs> um but now's the now's the time you know I oh. talk until season four episode three. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah you have not you don't know how it ends <laughs> no yeah, you don't know how it ends yet yeah oh yeah that's true I guess. Like anyone knows how it ends really I guess that was nobody knows how it ends really <laughs> Um, you know what I found interesting because it is a show that's been out forever and it's like you know why rehash it but there's like a there's a huge like cult following of the show that lives online that I was kind of exposed to there's like a subreddit there's just oh, of course there's, yeah. there was like um, when we were doing this and coming together to make a podcast together and I was like well I, I hope you know this gets listens and and um like I might have a couple people from YouTube that remember me from there that'll come listen. And then like, yeah, I'm sure some people will recognize you from the Sopranos. There is there is such a fervorous group of people that live, breathe, and 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 eat Sopranos. And they all they do, especially on the subreddit, they go through episode one till the end, each episode and discuss it. And I think they just repeat it. And then every day on yeah. the subreddit, it's like Somebody will just pose a question from a random episode from a random season, and then there'll just be like a hundred comments about that particular moment. There is no shortage of Sopranos fans. And they just had a Sopranos con for the first time, I think, last year. <laughs> like people got together and paid money for tickets to come see people that Damn. were in the show. And they're I doing it again. Contested. They're doing it again this year. No <laughs> masks allowed. Uh, yeah. No masks allowed. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, it's a, it's a very, like, aggressively religious it's fan base, aggressive, which yeah. I, 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 I'm curious as to how interacting with, like, that kind of fan base was, like, as a child. Yeah, And also, Kasim, I am curious as to, like, 
how uh, how they've interacted with you on the internet. I'm sure there's like some people that are mad, like listening to the podcast, like, oh, who's this guy that's not on The Sopranos? <laughs> yeah. Well, just to answer that question real fast, because it's an easy one. It was not like I, I remember Rob would be like, yeah, my friends back home, uh, they listen to you. And at first they were like, well, we don't like this guy. And then <laughs> and then a few weeks later, they'd be like, we're starting to like this cast guy. Like I told him I, I, I typically grow on people and my first impression's never good. But uh, <laughs> I'd like to think I'm winning over some of them. But, yeah, it wasn't. A lot of people are like, you guys don't need that guy. And like, what's he? Why is he treating Jamie like that? They're very protective <laughs> over them. Oh, they're very because like, I'm sure some of them are kind of cosplaying as as Tony. Tony. Yeah. 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 I yeah, mean, yeah, it's yeah. like a it's one of those shows that is so iconic and, you know, such a juggernaut that you, you kind of lose control of like how people mm. consume the show. Oh yeah, I mean, and so so many guys like like, definitely yeah yeah it's that's like a very funny element of like how much of a sensation it is because like there's there's certain people that like probably watch it for the wrong reasons and it's like a very like morally ambiguous show yeah they watch it they're like this is about guys being cool and doing good things (laughs) yeah Tony this is about Tony a fucking awesome guy who's never done anything wrong (laughs) and his annoying wife. And his kids that just don't respect him. They don't respect him. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's just trying to do good and buy a nice house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I've I think I've mentioned that my friend Connor, uh, his cousin, uh, he like he w- he would watch The Sopranos and fast forward through all of the therapy scenes. <laughs> Dude, doesn't Donald Trump do that with action movies? Like <laughs> he yeah, went with so, Bloodsport or something famously. Like, he, yeah, let's get past all of the shit where he's like dissecting his trauma and get to the get to the part with like boobs and guns. Yeah, you know, each episode's just literally like fifteen minutes of like strip club dialogue <laughs> and uh, a fight. You know, but well, also um, on on our podcast, it, uh, I don't help really because. Me and Kasim get along great when we're not on the podcast, but for some reason on the podcast, we just go at each other. So people, like I've noticed, kind of want to take sides of being like, you know, fuck that fucking Sopranos guy or like, you know, Kasim, <laughs> shut up. Don't speak to them that way or you need to. And it's also, I feel like people are so used to show business being like, oh, these three got casted together that they don't yeah. realize that we didn't get casted together. We chose like there was no guy at NBC being like, you know, I think the the <laughs> Egyptian with the Cuban and the Irish guy, like it just brings the perfect, like, you know, we were friends and we thought it would be funny and we thought it would work. And uh, yeah, so on the podcast, I think me and Kasim get out any, any tension we have with each other. And then as soon as the mics go off, it's, you know, we don't have any. What are your There's big- been a few comments I've read that's like, which episode was he in? Which episode was Cass in? Because I don't remember. <laughs> you need was he to in, just like was he claim background one. in the wedding scene in in season? You know, I, I, there's some people that just have no idea where to place me. Well, yeah, people forget that you played Lin Manuel playing the bellhop <laughs> in that exactly. one episode. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's also not about um, the Sopranos at all. I mean, oh yeah, we talk about yeah, it, but and Cass and I met our first day of recording. We did it. We did Rob. 
Okay. Rob was the matchmaker in this whole situation. Oh, wow. Cass and I didn't know each other. So if you go back to the first episode and listen to however, however, how many have we done so far? I don't know. 40, 50 something? 40, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, we're getting to know each other. Like we just hung out outside the podcast for the second time or third time. And now he's already wanting to oh. come over again next weekend. So. so you guys have only seen each other IRL two times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's been like two or three times for sure. Um outside of the pod. But he knew my husband been great. from forever ago. Okay. okay yeah, which is weird. What's it's a strange world. But um yeah, I think uh I, I think I don't want to keep talking, but I think, you know, knowing Rob um from you know getting to know him in the last few years, Rob what's so interesting about Rob is had he's had this completely other life that's filled with like all kinds of debauchery and drugs and like, and um, to kind of answer your question about like what growing up in a show like that could maybe do it. And Rob, you can speak on a little bit more, but it's like, he's lived a thousand lives. And I feel like now I just get to, I get like the, the culmination, like the best version of it. But um, there, there are stories where I like, can't even, sometimes I just go like, I can't believe that you live that life. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm very fascinated by your post Sopranos life. Yeah, I mean, let's hear. It. I mean, we I, love I, I looked story. into it before the before we recorded, and I mean, you were you were a professional poker player for years, right? Yeah, it's gonna be so hard for me to be mean to cast him on our podcast this week because he's being so nice here. Oh, you know? Nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I moved so. When I turned 22, Sopranos ended and I told my manager, like, hey, give me six months of just let me do my thing. Like, I want to be fucking 22. Like, I want to hang out with my friends. I I don't want to do any work or anything. And that turned into like six, seven, eight years of me just not answering his calls, really. And and just kind of, you know, because I wanted to see if I could make it as a poker player and I learned that I could by going to play poker, but then my problem was I was such a heavy drinker and doing drugs that then I would just lose the money doing other shit, you know? So like Uh, I'd go into the casino and I'd win money and then somebody would be like, Hey, you after this, let's go drink or whatever. I'd be like, okay. And I would go drink with that money in my pocket and then I would lose it. Like, you know, playing roulette or just what at the strip club or just whatever fucking stupid thing I decided to do uh, that day. But I went to Vegas for two weeks and I came home like a year and a half later. God. Damn. Oh my Wait, God. Did you just, you just moved back to LA for the, the podcast. I just moved to LA for the first time in my life for the podcast. Yeah. I, I we and, filmed Sopranos in New York. And where were you living right. before this immediate, like right before I was, so I was in New York my whole life. And then the last I moved, I moved to Vegas a couple times to play poker and then it would just get like super dark and I'd realize how much I hated it. And then, so I'd go back to New York and then it would kind of, you know, it's like when you have a friend who you're like, I can't be around them anymore. And then three years goes by and you're like, sounds, you know, uh, it was probably me. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I could, I could do it. And then you go back to Vegas and you're like, yeah, man, after six months, Vegas just gets, you know, it gets real dark and very groundhogs day and, mm-hmm. and, not a lot of people live there who are like, you know, I'm trying to build a life here. Oh, yeah. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, it's you, mostly like cyclical hedonism, I'd imagine. People are there for reasons. Yeah. You're not Which just like incidentally drinking there. was like my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, of yeah. course. I mean, that's the place to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, so right, right before 
moving to LA, you were in Vegas or LA? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> Vegas or New York, rather. Uh, yeah, I was in uh, Vegas for a year before I moved to uh, LA. Oh, so you're fresh out of the poker scene. Like, this is not yeah. super far in the past. Well, that's how I feel about poker the way I feel about acting is like when people are like, oh, you're not acting anymore or you're not playing poker anymore. And I'm like, you, you, I can go when, you know, like there's times where I just, I'm like, okay, it's Saturday. I feel like going to play poker and I go to the casino and I play where like, I feel like, you know, I had jury duty a while back and I just called my manager and I'm like, I don't want to do this jury duty. Can you get me an acting job? And he's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) He got me an episode of law and order. And then I didn't do the uh, the jury duty. Where you played a jury member. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a really elaborate way of getting out of jury duty, by the way. And the, the irony of it is that you're still like kind of in the legal system that day. You know, you're just like in an episode yeah. of Law and Order. You're do- yeah. you're, you get out of uh, literal like crime procedures to do a cr- procedural crime drama that day. <laughs> yeah. It's like not entirely different. Um, so that's like the only time you wanted to act post Sopranos is just to get out of jury duty. Uh, no, like I did that show with uh, Casman that we talked about. I've done some other stuff, but I just uh, the whole idea of like acting and being like you have to learn these lines and go do this shit. And then when you when you work on something for months and then it comes out, and it's 45 minutes long and I don't even like to watch the shit I do anyway. It just all feels I don't know. Like, it's just something. And, you know, Jamie, we've said this before with Jamie, uh, too, is like it was like playing on the Yankees for like 10 years. And you're just it's you're playing with the best players in the world. Everybody's unbelievable. The cast is amazing. The crew is amazing. You're it's so incredible. And then you go work on other stuff and you're kind of like, oh, this isn't you know, this isn't Sopranos. Oh, straight up. Yeah. I mean, you guys were on the best show. Sure. Arguably ever made. And you were real young when it started. Uh, Jamie, I don't know, how old were you? You were young too, but I mean. I was 16. Yeah, so like, you know, you had a mind of your own. Uh, Rob, you were how old? I was 12. 12. So like you're learning basic things about the world still, like on the show. It was was uh, very strange. Yeah, I remember being filming the the. Uh, pilot of Sopranos and I was upset because it was going to be my first summer going away to summer camp that I didn't get to go. Same. Yeah. Oh, shit. Just like being yeah. mad you can't <laughs> go to camp. Yeah. I was finally going to go to sleepaway camp like every other kid on Long Island. Like I was finally just being like, fuck it. I'm going to go to sleep. And I had everything packed and I, then I got Sopranos and I'm like, all right, I guess. Imagine, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Imagine if we both didn't do Sopranos but both went to the same summer camp and became friends. <laughs> That'd be surreal. Oh, oh, so I, I believe our season. bond is inescapable, Rob. Yeah, Wait, there's so, a podcast. So season one, <laughs> so that was season one you were mad about not going to summer camp. The, the pilot. So we shot the pilot and then a year later we shot season one. So like there is, that's a kind of a wild fork in the road for both of you. It's just like summer camp or do the show. The Sopranos, like it's, it's also it's, too at the time it was on HBO, which wasn't really a network that had you know series programming, but you knew it was something special. I mean, even at the read through, it was just that cast of people where you looked around the table and you knew everyone's faces, but you didn't know their names. It, and it was, and that's I think what was such a special thing too is it was everyone's big break, you know, for all yeah. of them yeah. at the same time. 
so filming this, like, how much separation was there between, like, your life as a kid and the show, the life in the show? Because, I mean, it took up years of your life as well. Mm-hmm. Like, was it... Well, we had really long hiatuses be- between seasons. Um, and so I was 16. I was still in high school, and I went to public school in Long Island. So it was really cool for me to have the show come at that time because all my friends that I grew up with, I was the only one that ever had, you know, was into acting or anything. And they all supported me and watched me and like all the productions of Annie at the Y and music man at the whatever. And now like at the end of my time with them growing up before everyone leaves for college, like they saw me on this TV show. So it was really cool, but I was able to still live a very normal life. Like I still went to school and would just get tutored on the set when need be. And then, um, I think because it filmed in New York and it was such, and it was like, you know, shot under the 59th street bridge at silver cup studios. There was nothing like really, I wouldn't say it's not glamorous, but it just wasn't, didn't feel very Hollywood. Like everybody was there doing a job. There was such mutual respect amongst cast and crew and it would never changed. Even as the show got more successful, that was the same vibe all the time that, when we would come to LA for award shows, the only time that you would feel like drastic, like the levity of the show or how big it was, or just that it was like something sparkly, it just felt like the most amazing, coolest job that you got to do. And I'm forever grateful that we were young and that was our first experience. And I think we're also heavily influenced, whether they meant to or not, by actors that were really good people too and were just really, you know, loved their job and not didn't care so much about the fame part of it, you know? Rob, what about you? How about the diff- what was your childhood like while you were on the show? What was your day to day? Uh, well, the interesting thing was that like, you talked about how big the show was, but for people who were 12 and 13 and 14, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there was mm-hmm. no such thing. So I would be we'd be working on the show or whatever, and it would be such a big deal. But then when I was around kids my age, it was just completely normal because there, was, there wasn't there was that thing. You know, I never had a 14-year-old be like, oh, my God, AJ's my favorite character. You know, it just <laughs> didn't happen. So, I mean, that's so it was just like thing. a double life. Yeah, I just lived like a normal kid growing up in New York City, doing stupid shit, getting into trouble, hanging out in the park until like 3 a.m. every day and, you know. I mean, were you like, like, how different is AJ from you as a kid? Like, we're, you know, it sounds like that you're saying that shit. It sounds like something AJ, the character would do too. Just like run around. Right. Well, I New feel York. like, cause I, it's funny. I did a podcast uh, a week ago and they were, he was saying like, you've never watched a show and then talking about my life. I was like, they're so similar and these things that happen. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel like when you're talking about a 12 year old and a 13 year old, there's so much there's not that many molds in New York city mm-hmm. of like, right. You no, know, it's like, you're either a nerd. There were no jocks because there's no sports teams in New York city school. So that whole part of like, when you watch these teen movies, I only saw that shit in movies like, Oh, the letterman jacket or we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're traveling for a football game. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like I couldn't even <laughs> end that whole thing. So it was like, the bad kids who kind of did drugs and didn't give a shit about school or the good kids who did. And I just happened to in real life, once I started smoking weed and getting into girls, it was just kind of like, yeah, school, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. yeah I, just, I mean, I, being a teenager is a pretty homogenous experience for the most part. 
Yeah. yeah. But when I was we, younger, you... sorry, when I was younger, I watched that movie Kids, and mm-hmm. I grew up in California, and so when I watched Kids, I was like scared of New York City, New York kids. I just thought they oh, all yeah. ran on skateboards and like beat the shit out of people and like <laughs> did drugs and like finger fucked everybody, and like I thought it was. Uh, I thought yes. like that's not a place for me, you know. It's like we cast him. Where did you grow up? I grew up in just like north of Los Angeles in a in a town called Newbury Park, which is like forty five yeah, I mean, minutes north. I remember like my mom watching that movie Thirteen. Oh when yeah, when I was like twelve, and just be, like I didn't even watch it. She just like she had just watched it and it had been like, yeah, I just watched this movie 13 and I, I want you to stay safe. <laughs> like I want you to, you know, like I got I got definitely when I was like 12 or so, I remember like seeing certain things on TV where I was like, ah, being a teenager sounds fucked up. Like yeah. just hearing hearing about like, I don't know, high school sounds sounds like so daunting when you're like yeah. 12. I mean, it just sounds like evil. A little. Opposite. Well, I also like. I would. Okay. I would look at my character as so different for me because of all the shit. Like he's growing up in a house, and like in New York City, I was like, "What the? I can't relate to any of that." Like, oh, he needs people to drive him around, or his mom and dad both raised him, or like you said, you know, he's on the football team or this. So I, I more so looked at all the shit that was so different from me than uh than the character you know did you have anything in common with like the music taste at all because there's do you know about do you know about the aj sopranos twitter uh, aj soprano shirts twitter dude i i i don't know about that but i was early on to documenting the the fits of aj soprano incidentally it's like that one photo of you with Slipknot wearing a Slipknot shirt. <laughs> well, and I yeah, so I was I was a huge Slipknot fan, Pantera fan. I had a band with my friends, like a death metal band. So, uh, you know, David Chase didn't need me to write the show. David Chase is a genius, but there were some things that you know, like I literally showed up to set with a Pantera shirt on that had a weed leaf on it and, and skateboarding. And then the next episode. I'm skateboarding with a Pantera shirt that has like a giant weed leaf on it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That oh, wasn't like your they, shirt. They got it, it for you. It wasn't your shirt. They just wardrobe did that. So what happened was because I loved Slipknot and Pantera and all this stuff, the record label people started reaching out to Sopranos and sending us shirts and posters and uh, all this kind of shit like that. So I would show, but David, David Chase definitely knew like, he wanted me to go a little bit in the direction that I was going in real life, you know, like showing up with like a backwards baseball hat on and a fucking Pantera shirt and just being kind of like angry and smoke, like smoking cigarettes outside of the read through trying not for people to see me, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you were also in the music video or in a Marilyn Manson music video. Uh, That's Dope people made that up. What? People made that up. Yeah. I saw that on Wikipedia. Yeah, that's dude, it looks yeah, like you. <laughs> it looks like I you. saw that on the website that people can edit. <laughs> Wait, it looks like I, yeah. you in the video. <laughs> I've seen, uh, but that was that. There's like a little kid in it. Th- that dates before even Wikipedia. Like people were saying that to me when I was like 20 years old. What's the story of that? I mean, like, dude, this is seems like the type of story similar to Marilyn Manson removing one of his own ribs. Yeah, or he was right, Paul yeah. Pfeiffer from the Wonder Years. It's well, all that's the same. true, dude. That's true. Yeah. 
We all know Kasim is actually Paul Pfeiffer. I got that. I got a lot of Paul Pfeiffer growing up. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. wow, yeah. yeah. So you might not even, you know, who who is it really? You or Marilyn Manson? Yeah, I don't know. It can't be. Um, him. I what about? I mean, I'll ask you guys a question because I'm always interested in this stuff. And the, and uh, even though like on the podcast we probably, you know, talk uh, too much about it, um, but I'm always interested when they talk about the family on the show and how it felt like a real family and how like Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini played like such a critical role. Not they didn't, he didn't replace their dads, but he, he was the sort of father figure to them in real life. And, and having conversations with them, if I feel like I, I know a little bit about him and it just sounded like the most down to earth, warm, caring, like deeply caring guy and like, what a guy to have anchor the show, um, and 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 maybe I don't know. Rob might get mad at me or something, but uh, I, I think it makes for a good pod. He do, he doesn't. Every time I've asked why he hasn't watched the show, it comes down to like, well, you know, I don't really care. Plus, like, I don't really want to watch James on the screen, you know. And 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 a part of that is because I think he cares so much about him, and and there was such a connection between those two. And and Jamie, you've you've mentioned that when you were struggling and, and all that um, with your personal life, how he would, yeah. you know, be attentive and care about, you know, what was going on with you. Yeah, I think that it's almost like now that I'm watching it, I'm able to really relate to him as the actor because the whole show, he was just like who he was personally to me mattered a whole lot more. I think, you know, from the outside, I had like a very basic like you know, white girl, Jewish from Long Island life. Um, but I had like a lot of like really fucked up personal shit happen to me during those 10 years. And um, he was somebody that, you know, with which especially now when I watch a show and I see like his workload and I just can really understand now how difficult that must have been to carry that show the way that he did, but still had like the energy and the care to like wonder how you're doing and like make sure that you're good and is there like anything he could do to help I think we kind of like he just fell into the role and felt a responsibility for Rob and I to look out for us I think especially we were so young and the show was kind of you know taking off and I think he wanted to protect us in his own way and so yeah I think it you know it is painful to watch him to know that he's gone but at the same time it's just like really cool to get to see him that much again because he was somebody that was like so incredibly special to both of us. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I mean, that's to have that all documented. I don't know. Rob and I's favorite, favorite story of him is we went, we once we wrapped filming, we were filming something in New York city and we wrapped early and he asked Rob and I what we were doing. We said we were going to our friend's club and he rented a limo and he came with us. And like really? <laughs> and hung out in the club all night. It was the best. That's hilarious. Yeah. That rocks. How old were you at that at that time? I was probably 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Or like and yeah. he he never knew the like me going to club side where the truth was I was going out seven nights a week when I wasn't filming. And we were rolling up to this club where there was a line outside of like a hundred people. And I knew the bouncers, I knew the owner, I knew the door guy. So as soon as I walked up, it was like hugs and the rope is off and we're walking in right to our table. And I just remember him looking at me and he was like, you little. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's hilarious. I mean, it's it sounds like you were really like having a having a time. At, oh you yeah. Know. You know, I I talk about it a lot, but there was a scene when I was 22 in the show, and the somebody who wrote on the show forever got to direct an episode, and his or directed one. Not that he got to do it, but he directed one, and his name was uh, Terry Winter, who went on to do Boardwalk Empire, and he's just you know genius. He's amazing. And there was a scene where I had to be depressed in bed about a girl breaking up with me and um, thinking, you know, all these horrible things. And he comes over and he's kind of talking to me about it. He's like, you know, when you're just you're so depressed that you're at the bottom, you you just you just wonder why you even exist, why we're even here. And I wasn't going to lie. I just looked at him. I was like, nah, (laughs) you know, I was like, I, I was like, I was like, dude, I'm 22. I'm on like the best show ever. I'm like, girls are down to like hook up with me. I, I, I don't know what, you know, I'm getting more because I, I grew up super poor and it was like, I'm making more money than anyone in my family has ever even thought possible. I'm the, like in like one episode, right? Exactly. So it's like, yeah. yeah, at that point I was making more in one episode than anyone in my family made in a year. Well, how'd you yeah. get on the show? Like that's, that's interesting to me too, because a lot of, a lot of actors like don't come from that background. Like what was your, how'd you guys both get on the show? You know, like, how did that come to be? Go ahead, Rob. Uh, I had started. So I was walking on the street when I was six years old with my dad and uh, a guy came over and he's like, your son should be. He didn't know I was going to be so short at the time, but he's like, he should be a model. You know, he should be an actor. He should be this. So he gave my uh, dad a business card. And my dad was like, this is fucking bullshit. And when he brought it to my mom, my mom was like, Oh, he definitely should be, you know, like my mom's like, yeah, that's what he should do. So I started going to auditions when I was six and I booked a bunch of commercials. And you stuff. just got like discovered at the, yeah, I was going to say that's like, like a, most times those, that would those end stories badly. always sound like fake to me where they're always like, fake. Oh yeah. He's his is the one. Yeah, true. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I got I'm discovered 30, at the mall. I was six years old. I'm 35 now. And that guy who found me on the street is still my manager today. No way. And Kasim hates him. No, I don't. Really? I, I don't hate him. What, now he's going to listen to this. I actually, I think he's he goes above and beyond what a, a manager Rob. does. He like <laughs> actually, like Rob wanted to buy a car and uh, he, his, he tells his manager, the manager like does all the legwork for him. Uh, Rob and like his, I don't know, because Rob's always paid for cash, doesn't have credit or whatever. The manager starts setting up, like calling Experian, trying to get, you know, figure out Rob's credit. He's like, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to get you a a credit card. We're going to start building that credit. And it's like, no one, no manager. My manager is never, I barely speak to my manager. This, this guy's like kind of like a, he's like a, a executive concierge on top of being <laughs> a, a manager. It's I know. Crazy. Well, you know, I don't hate him. I just wish I wish I had him. Does he, I was kidding. Yeah, does he want yeah, any new clients? I mean, this jealousy, sounds nice. But the, yeah. the, the weird, uh, fuck, what was I going to say? About auditioning or getting the show? Or? Oh yeah. I mean the casting, I mean, we were just talking, we were joking that it, like almost in almost every single situation where somebody would approach you like that on the street as a boy, you would end up in like locked in a basement or some shit or just oh, yeah. <laughs> 99% chance that it's a pedophile. Well, what, yeah. what they when that, do when that happens. or like what charge they really you. Do, yeah. What the real move is like, we're going to, you know, we're going to get you in the, in, in the shows and this, but, but we're going to need you to get some headshots. Head and those are that happened to my brother. That, yep. yeah. oh, that headshot scam happened to my brother and con my, my dad out of 400 bucks. 
because they're like, he's got a face for commercials. I just, you're going to need some headshots. I happen to know a guy. And then you pay for the headshots. Yeah. You do a, a photo shoot or sometimes you don't even do Ugh. the photo shoot. And then that's it that you never hear. From. Yeah. I mean, have you seen, have you seen an open secret? Uh, uh-uh. no. the documentary Is that the it's Brian Singer. Brutal. Well, uh, yes, yeah, sir. Brian Singer is. They talk about Brian Singer a fair amount. He's he gets some, he gets a, a lot of screen time. It's probably not his like proudest IMDb credit. Definitely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like X Men, an open secret. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Brian Singer parentheses X Men comma yeah. an open secret. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, but he's. I mean, yeah, he's in it a, a fair amount. But yeah, like that is like a a, a weird thing about that world is they'll like take these like headshots and then sell them on eBay. And then it's like, yeah, there's just like creeps buying, uh, headshots of like children. So anyway, back to your story. Now that we've put (laughs) a really, really dark spin on this. (laughs) By by the way, I remember what I was going to say was it would be so weird. People would say, people would say like, I, I can't, get in touch with my manager or like, you know, I called my manager, but he hasn't called me back. And this, and for me, it was the opposite, you know, like I would always be like, yeah, my manager has been calling me for three days. I don't know what he wants. Yeah. You know? Like it just like, so yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's funny. So, I mean, so this guy found you and then you just tried out for some show basically that eventually became the Sopranos. That was like how you got on the show. Yeah. And my mom, I remember my mom was like, why did you send him on this fucking audition? Like, he's not Italian. At first, like Jamie's, uh, you know, family or like her, we thought it was about singing. And my mom's like, he can't sing. And they're like, no, it's about an Italian mafia thing. And he's like, well, he's Irish. Like, why would you send him on this? And when we went, uh, it was a lot of kids like, you know, trying to play up the Italian or like the like, you know, white t-shirt with the yeah. black leather jacket and like, hey, Tony, you know, like that kind of thing. And I, I didn't know from that. That's like I just so showed up. Funny. I'm imagining like a bunch of kids dressed as like <laughs> Italian oh, greasers. Yeah. Like, hey, let's 50, get some yeah, salami. Kids, uh, <laughs> leather jackets, slick back hair. <laughs> like Andrew Dice Clay outfits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got candy yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so God funny. Damn. And then it just, yeah, then you got the job. That's crazy. Um, yeah. It, and like we've been asked a lot lately is how crazy it is. It was, people always ask us uh, how long before it became a hit. And I'm like, I don't remember it being out ever and not being, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, huge. massive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was big the whole time. I mean, it's interesting. And Jamie, it was the, it was the same situation for yeah, you? Yeah, basically. So I was, I mean, like, I, my mom did the best she could in, like, trying to figure out how to make this, like, a professional thing for me. Because I, I, being on Long Island, I just did kind of community theater. And we somehow found this, like, manager in Al- Allentown, Pennsylvania. And she got, like, this breakdown for a 16-year-old Italian-looking girl. And same with me. I figured I could pass for Italian. <clears throat> and I went in and I really... I mean, it was a scene about a girl fighting with her mom about wanting to go on a ski trip to Aspen with her friends. And that was like something I was very well versed in was fighting with my mom and wanting to go somewhere that she wasn't letting me go to. And I had a very, very thick Long Island accent, which I think probably was like the tipping point to get me the role over maybe anybody else. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, neither of you guys, neither of you guys are Italian. That's fascinating to me as well. We're the only ones that aren't, weren't Italian. Wow. Interesting. I mean, Yeah. yeah, I guess it's like. 
not easy to or not hard to fake visually i guess like i i could have believed it you you could pass as italian 100 percent. i like didn't yeah speaking of managers my manager only recently like realized i wasn't italian yeah right like i was like (laughs) you've been with me for 12 years nope not at all that's funny I mean, does the Italian does community know. know about this? My manager has my 23andMe test results framed in his office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, your manager sounds that Agreed. I yeah I understand Kasim's jealousy because <laughs> I don't know. I think he's I mean, just Sam. very appreciative over because he was Rob. Rob was his first ever client, and, and it's like oh, 100 yeah. He's batting a hundred. You know, like it's a yeah. thousand. Is that the baseball? Well, he, he had other clients, but it was I was the first one that like you know. That popped. Yeah, yeah. Does he? I can't even tell if you're joking about the test results. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, we I don't, mean, like, we don't I know. mean, but yeah. just this guy. I mean, character. it sounded believable yeah. based off of everything else you've you've <laughs> said about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys better have some fucking Bigfoot questions for Casim over there. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Some alien questions. You got a, you got a, you got a big, we got a big guest coming up on our podcast on that we're going to be doing on Thursday. He's a big UFO guy. So I've been, I've been knee deep. Who who have you got coming on? Well, he's a gentleman by the name of Alejandro Rojas and, uh, He's got one of the bigger UFO podcasts. He's just a guy that's in the know. He was in MUFON. He's interviewed all the, all the big players in the UFO game in ufology and, um, you know, these guys have been kind of razzing me about it all day. And they're like, we're going to wear costumes. I'm going to wear the costume. No. So I'm not razzing I'm seeing, you. I'm supporting. I'm seeing this as a, an opportunity. To I'm wearing a tight knowledge. silver mini dress with like a long green wig. Yeah. yeah. Dude, so, I'm telling you right now, you're reading this way wrong. I'm, I'm super into it. I like that you're, you know, you're showing some spunk. I've yep. got to I've got to squeeze in paranormal encrypted stuff on our podcast as as much as I can because it's just a surprise. Or a surprise We're or open to it. Cass. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll Don't see. Don't act Thursday. like we've given you any resistance. I mean, I'm the a, only thing I ask you not to give me is flashlights anymore. I got look. They're still sitting in my garage. They haven't been. Most <laughs> of them have not been used. And uh, I'm sorry, I even brought. Did you say most two. of them? Yeah, most of them. I try. Wait, I how tried. many? How many flashlights? They sent me a box of like six or seven. You know they're not one-time use, right? These are you could use. You wash them. Oh, they're them. machine washable, Jack. Yeah, I put it in the dishwasher. Um, <laughs> your your uh, trash bin's just I, I don't full of with other dishes, hundreds so. of flashlight flashlights in your trash. <laughs> yeah, I got an autograph yeah, Lisa Ann one. Yeah, like, why would you have more than? I would say more than two is excessive. I mean, well, some like, people dream to make it big to buy like a nice car. That Casim just wanted unlimited flashlights. That's like Dr. Dre, where it's like like throws his pair of shoes out every time he wears them. Yes, yeah, exactly. it's what like that with a flashlight. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I'm not washing exactly. these. He knows the dates of everything. He's like, yeah, I fucked that June seventh. You know, Casim, <laughs> you've got the you've got like the flashlight plug. Like they send it to you they, well this yeah this was when i had uh the youtube show where i was interviewing porn stars so they were like oh yeah right. let's this guy this guy's into this stuff so they sent me a whole box and um they like threw in a dildo in there too which was nice of them um just to not keep it all flashlight related, yeah they didn't need you know? to be presumptive yeah there's you know I don't know about porn stars, but I do like i i do like to revisit the show gigolos from back in the day 
the Showtime show. Have you watched it? No, I have not watched Gigolos on it's Showtime. So, it's so good. And, it, and to be honest, I sit and watch it and I it makes me feel very passionate that prostitution should be legal. Sure. Because yeah. I see what these men give to these women. These women completely forget the fact that they're paying for this and feel like they are being desired by these beautiful men and it makes them feel so good about themselves. And I'm like, this guy's getting paid and like to do make this woman feel good. I don't think it should be illegal. And I God feel Lord. like I'm gonna get on my little soapbox soon and really talk Absolutely. about Absolutely. I I agree. Legalized sex work. Yeah. Deuce Bigelow yeah. Get him, get him back. Let's yes, make a Deuce please. Bigelow three. <laughs> Deuce, yes. But it's not a we comedy. Saw, we saw Deuce Bigelow male gigolo. We saw Deuce Bigelow European gigolo. Where is he going next? Legal, Classic. legal In gigolo. I'll follow him wherever it is. I've, I've heard stories of those women that go to like the the down under, the thunder down under in Vegas. Yeah. And then afterwards, I don't know if you've ever done that, Jamie. You don't strike me as the type, but. Afterwards, they do a little drink mixer where oh, you can pay extra and then you sit around. I didn't know about that. So I had a friend who did that. And apparently the dancers, they come out and then um, they just they leave their room key. If they like you, they'll leave a room key and um, they'll they'll fuck you. If, if, if you a make guy likes you, he'll leave a room key. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, it's kind of like, say, a gigolo I, thing, but it's like a free pat. It's like a free one. I didn't know about that, but. Mm-hmm. There was one t- there's this guy I hooked up with in New York when I was like on Sopranos in New York City that one time later I went to a bachelorette party in Vegas and he was one of the dancers. And I was like, oh, yeah. wow. I'm pretty sure I gave you a blowjob, but. <laughs> oh, Jamie, 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 Jamie. You know, I've I'm- never done that, Jamie. Stop it. No, ask my <laughs> husband. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so did this come did you did this come up or did you just both not acknowledge it? No, I feel like there was an eye contact of of a little moment, but then it passed. I didn't want him near me as low. you're sticking a no dollar in his in chat. Ring. No. <laughs> then it felt wrong. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Honestly, I that's not for me. Like I don't get the whole I don't find like I don't get turned on by watching like half naked men dance around like that's not what i find sexy at all well you see it all day with your kids <laughs> what does that what, mean what? <laughs> every, every kids every, wear banana hammocks and they dance, dance every around. time i go to her house her kids are just running around naked <laughs> little boy rob had one of them on his lap they love to like talk about their penis and show their penis and i'm yeah. oh yeah i mean yeah Children are perverts. <laughs> completely. Completely. Yeah. And they're curious. I think I was, it freaks me out. Yeah, I was just listening to the most recent the most recent episode of your podcast and you were talking about your kid uh grabbing boobs. Oh, I thought uh, you were gonna ask you were gonna re- reference the thing that he asked me. Was that oh, the oh, oh yes. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you wanna do you wanna repeat that? <laughs> I, I was putting him to bed and he was just laughing and I was like, dude, what's going on? He's like, I'm just, I'm just, and I'm like, what? He's like, I'm just wondering if your vagina smells like cookies. And I was like, <laughs> why? 
I was so horrified. I was like, that is not okay. We don't talk about mommy's privates. We don't talk about other people's privates. I was just wondering if they smell like, like cookies. If it smells yeah. like cookies. Kids, huh? I mean, what did he... What Did you, did you ask... I feel like, did, did you ask questions? I, I ran into my room to my husband and told him, and then he started hysterical laughing and, <laughs> and walked in and handled it. I, was, I mean, I was mortified. What are you supposed to do? I mean, I know it's an innocent question. He's six years old, but still. Yeah, but how does he, how does that question get like where planted? Where yeah, yeah, well, I have no idea. Roblox. He's obsessed Roblox. with this Roblox game, and I swear to God, somehow it's something. Hey, he like, heard. Did just... you say like because you think he heard someone <laughs> yeah. call a vagina a cookie? I think he heard one of his older cousins call someone's vagina a cookie. Oh, I think he got that in his head somewhere. But then he was like wondering why it was called a cookie, and then the only person he really knows with a vagina is me. So he right. was wondering cousins it... cousins corrupt. Wait, oh, Rob, are you you're on a you're on a Volcel kick right now? Yeah, so I I wanted to do a year, and I did a year, and then uh, when the year ended, I've just kind of been like, well, now if I just hook up with some random girl, it's all pointless, <laughs> right? So I've just yeah. been waiting to meet a girl who like I trust before I have sex with her, and in Vegas that was never happening. Like I knew that I was like I'm right. putting that out of the way. So when I and then I come here and there's a fucking quarantine, you know, but uh, <laughs> but I'm also like I'm I'm just I'm very happy being alone, you know. Yeah, well, it sounded like you were on a real run for like years yeah. of just getting getting nuts off, just dog dog mode. Marking yeah, the it was just what you know. I was very you know, and there sometimes like. I would hear girls who would be upset because like they would see me hook up with another girl somewhere this and I didn't even comprehend why. Like I'd be like, what do you mean? Why? Why are you upset? We're all just having fun. You know, like we're all. And then once now, you know, I've been I haven't drank in seven years, seven and a half years or something. And I'm it's just it changes your brain. You know, it changes the way you think about shit. It changes the like I don't want to have sex with a girl and then all of a sudden there's like a stranger in my bed and I have to like one tequila but the difference between one tequila and no tequilas is such a difference between like having a stranger in my bed wow. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like I think about it now and I'm like that would be having someone a girl who I had known for six hours be in my bed would be insane to where if I had one tequila i'd be like yeah come come on like why aren't you coming back to my place you know <laughs> that's hilarious well so i mean yeah i think with i think people are i know there's a the pandemic the i know the quarantine is still in place but i think people are fucking again oh for I sure i don't think it stopped many people uh yeah. rob you i mean you said before that when you were a kid you didn't reap any benefits of the show because nobody knew about nobody your age knew the Sopranos. They weren't watching. Oh it. no, no, no. When, like, when I was, when I was banging, I was banging chicks who, <laughs> who knew who were old enough to watch the show. Well, I was going to say, when did that kick in and what was it like? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like right, as soon as I started going, like I lost my virginity at 16. I dated that girl for a year. And then after that, when I started going out to clubs, that was it. And you know what the best part was, was girls would just hear, like, oh, that guy's on the, like, number one show right now. And then we would hook up. So they wouldn't even know, like, my character's a pussy and he's, like, annoying and, and, and all this. <laughs> they would just be like, oh, this guy's on 
the biggest show because most, you know, most girls who were 20, 21, when I was 17, they also weren't watching Sopranos, you know, but then there were the times where I, you know, they would pay us to go to a club in Jersey and I'd be at a club in Jersey and every girl there, you know, their family watched Sopranos. So they did and blah, 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 you know. Was it just debauchery? It was, it was amazing. It was exactly what I wanted at 17, 18, yeah. Like out of seven days in a week, how many different girls could you squeeze in? Uh, well, it's weird because I had different phases, you know. There, there was this Man, we're really oh, going let's, into let's stern cocaine. territory. Yeah, let it go. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, you, you, like you want to know? Play. <laughs> you want to talk about cocaine, Rob? Then move. Yeah, let's do. Let's. let's I want to talk. A window yeah, I would love to talk about cocaine, Rob. Well, cocaine, no, I, Rob. There were only two days in a week, you know, because I would only sleep <laughs> twice a week. So th- there weren't seven days in a week. So technically, if you're if you're hooking up with two <laughs> chicks in a week, what cocaine, Rob is hooking up every night. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, but yeah, like I'm saying, so there were different phases where like when I was 17 and I first started going out and couldn't believe that there were girls at a place I'd go to every night who were willing to sleep with me. It was a lot crazier than it was when I was like 22, 23 and became so addicted to drugs that I was more excited to go somewhere and do a ton of drugs than I was about having sex, you know? So it was right. the, the 17, 18. I mean, if I wanted to, it, it was whenever, you know, where then once. Well, I- yeah, I mean, that's a big thing about stimulants is, I mean, it, it hits a point of diminishing returns dick wise. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even that. You it was know. just more so like I'd be at a club with. That's be- that's the downside of drugs to you, Brendan. <laughs> no, not, that's not, I'm not saying that's like, the downside. Yeah, of that's drugs. why drugs are bad. I'm just saying, just, we were talking about we were talking about how much sex he was having but he was also like framing it as like oh this was cocaine rob and it's like yeah well cocaine it you know at a certain point your your dick is uh, i know you know your brain your all the blood's in your brain (laughs) and none of it's down there but even even when i was like 19 and doing a ton of coke it 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 really didn't stop me i think when you're 19 do like nothing can stop you nothing no it's just like hormones raging yeah Yeah. like and especially being new to like oh my god all these girls you know you come from like right out of you know i didn't really go to high school but like junior high and it's like we're like you know if you could kiss a girl it's a big deal to now you're in this nightclub where it's like oh there's there's no like first base, second base, third base, you know, it's like, oh, if we're making out and then if I go back to your place, it's like, you know, usually going to be sex. Did it get you? I mean, and you were younger than them, too. So it's like that's another I bet you had some weird nights like these Wait. random rascals. And you know, what's funny is that Cassim's loving this. Look at Cass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I no, mean, he's had some weird nights. I want to hear yeah. some weird I, nights. Like <laughs> I, I wouldn't be probing. I wouldn't be probing if you were like older going to these clubs because i feel like it would be like a whole different shift but it's it's interesting because it's like you were 16 and like they're kind of yeah, anybody unreal. like i don't know anyone that's had the bad this guy. experience yeah and like it's such a treat to hear yeah, yeah like, nobody's canceling our podcast from my sex stories you know? but yeah, you're too young they they were the bad guy like they're, right. they're after a kid exactly uh but what the interesting thing that people don't really think about is people think it's easy to get laid when you're on a TV show because girls want to fuck a guy who's on a TV show. When what I learned what it is, is girls trust a guy who's on a TV show. 
So it's like when a girl, when a girl hears I'm on the number one show on TV, there is 0% of thought of like, oh, is this guy going to kidnap me and like do some weird shit? Is he going to chop me up? Like there's the, the girls have zero thought of that. They just think like, I'm going to go back to this guy's really nice apartment. Cause he has, it a goes the other way where I got to imagine that they're thinking like, oh, I'm going to, I, I might have some dirt on this guy after I go home. Right. And luckily I might. Yeah, it was before everyone had a fucking camera in their pocket. So I didn't have to like where now I'd be like, oh, my God, is this girl going to fucking video me or do this yeah. weird shit? But it was before everyone had a camera. So that never even, you know, there was no thought of it was just fucking fun. I remember you told me something about Hugh Hefner. Yeah, there was a time. It always like, it always stands out to me as like that's that's the epitome of cool. I was walking. I was walking into this club, uh, Bungalow 8 at like 2.30 in the morning, which was, you know, we, the more you start to go out, the later you'd start to go out. So like at first we were like, oh, let's go out at 11.30. And then it became 12. And then it became 12.30. And then it was one. And then it was like, well, we'll get in the cabs at one. And uh, so I'm showing up to Bungalow 8 at 2.30 in the morning. And as I'm walking in, you Hefner is walking out with like 14 girls or whatever. And we stop at the, the door and we talk and he's, you know, he loves Sopranos or whatever we're talking. And he's like, you know what? put the bottles back on the table. We're, we're, we're staying, we're hanging. And he just, he, he was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not leaving now. And he had me hung out. That's hilarious. He was 89 amazing. at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of amazing that he was still raging even, uh, you know, into his later years, that man knew how to party. Like, dude, I can barely injecting that adrenochrome, right? Ooh. He had to have been. I want to, yeah, you're, I want to make an energy drink called Adrenochrome. I heard uh, <laughs> Hugh Hefner had one of those dicks that where you just like, either his ball had a little pump action or the dick had one of like a mechanical <laughs> thing that where you could just make it hard, but it never could do it on its own. Anyone here? Just like a re- Reebok pumps? You're talking like Reebok pumps situation? Like on yeah. the, like yeah. a button? I heard it was either a button in the ball, like a, a squeezable thing in his balls, or it's just like one of those things where you could just make erect if you, you know, this is terrible for anyone listening, but, you know, it's, it's just like you pull it up and it stays there. And then he. Yeah, Cassim's kind of doing a gesture. Just oh, like, it's like the thing, the thing at the car wash with the arms. <laughs> right. Like if you turn that off, it's just you can't there's nothing even there. And then as soon as you turn it on, it's straight up. Yeah. <laughs> These visuals are so fucked. <laughs> um, my God, that's um. So, would you just had a, a wild night with Hugh? Did it go anywhere? Did you hook up with no. Hugh? Did you hook up with Hugh? Yeah. yeah, they they left like an hour later and was just whatever. I remember at the same place because we brought up Bungalow Eight. I remember a guy coming over to me and bringing me over to a guy, and that guy partying at the table was. P. Diddy's security guard, and the guy who came over to me was his security guard. So he, oh, yeah. So he's like, oh, this guy wants to talk to you. So I go over to him, and he's like, oh, come here. Wow. He brings me up a staircase, and it's P. Diddy, uh, Snoop Dogg, like a bunch of girls, other people. And uh, at the time, I never drank tequila, and he had a bottle of eighteen hundred tequila, which is if you turn it upside down, the the it's like shot glass, shot right? Glass top, yeah. Right. It's it it fills up the 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 top of it with tequila, and he unscrew before we even like said hello. He unscrews it and he hands it to me. Uh, I drink it, and I remember him being like, "Yeah, you didn't have to drink all of it." 
you know, and I was just like, and then we're like smoking weed, Snoop Dogg, this. And I'm like, oh, this is there was one time where I was on probation and I was out at a nightclub and uh, it was Wyclef was like had a table and he's like calls me. He's like, come, come hang out. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So there's cameras all over because it's some sort of party and he's on the microphone all night. You know, he's like, oh, shout out to blah, blah, blah and this, whatever. And he's like, uh you know, he goes to hand me a blunt and there's cameras everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I'm on probation or whatever. Like I can't. So he gets on the mic and he's like, yo, put the music down. And he puts the music down and he's like, everybody put every fucking camera down. If anybody takes a picture in the next 10 minutes, like you're getting kicked out, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, turn the music back up. And he just hands me the blunt. And, you know, <laughs> that's hilarious. Wow. Yeah, this was just uh, and it was fucking, you know, New York City. Nobody had cameras. It was a different time and people were yeah. people were crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jamie, I'm gonna. I'm sorry, we we're like kind of ignoring you over there too. But I mean, not at all. For, I love listening for to both of talk. you. I mean, yeah. He, I mean, he said he has these stories. I mean, I'm sure you yeah. have your own too. But I, I wanted to expand this question too. Uh, from the off-show partying situations, did you guys have yeah. any funny interactions with like celebrities of that era? Like, I mean, he, Rob, you just told us about one, but I'm, I'm sure like the show is probably also popular with like like random hilarious celebs of the early aughts you know did you guys have did you have any and were you partying yeah i'm trying to think it's funny it's like one of my stories was always at bungalow eight two where i was waiting in line at the bathroom where it's like it, it was a very small exclusive club so there was like you know two stalls unisex that's how small it was and i remember waiting in line and I hear this guy being like, fuck, no, you're not waiting. And like, put me in the front and it was Jay-Z. So it was like, oh, it was just crazy that these these people loved the show so much. They felt like they like wanted to take care of you or, you know, connect with you. So I, I just feel like I wasn't I wasn't a part of your like Rob. You know, I was I was definitely didn't have as much fun during that time as maybe I could have. Yeah. Were you chilling? Were you? What was your? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I was just like, I got married. I got divorced. I was like dealing with like a lot of just shit. I started going out towards the end a little bit more, which is when Rob and I would hang out, I think a lot more um, beyond the set. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, I think I remember Rob and I, like when we would go to the Emmys or places like that, you'd forget that other people would recognize you too. Like I just felt like a spectator at an award show. So I remember Rob and I like coming back from the bathroom or something. We saw all the people from the office and we were, we were like, you know, excited. And they looked at us and they're like, Oh, look, it's you two. And we were like, couldn't believe that they were, they recognized Mm, us. Do you know what I mean? You just, you just forget. And it, you, and you know, moments like that where you realize like what, you know, Tom Hanks would come over and be like, I love the show so much. You just, you literally have those moments like I'm not worthy. Like I don't get it. Like it's it's really hard to understand that these people know who you are. Rob, I don't know if you were. I mean, did you have any weird c- celebrity interactions in your part? Their your raging days. Like, did you ever get in like a fight with like 98 degrees or like? Oh, I mean, <laughs> we got like we got Mark McGrath on the podcast tomorrow. Yeah, and. I maybe you know maybe there was some uh, maybe you guys crossed paths. We I remember in the, yeah in the he's, club days. He's great. I like him a lot. We actually got along. <laughs> okay. Uh, well. Yeah, I'm we, pumped to have him on. I remember. Um, yeah, tell him I said what's up. We got to have him on too. He's great. We. Um, yeah. 
I remember being out of my mind and seeing Tracy Morgan out and being like, dude, you're out of your mind. You know, like <laughs> Tracy Morgan was just, and you know, the stories are legendary. So it's not like I'm blowing up anybody's spot, but like, he was just, he was crazy. Like I remember we'd be at a club and he would be standing on a table with people everywhere. He would just take his shirt off, throw his shirt into the crowd, take everything out of his pockets and just throw it into the crowd and be fucking screaming and yelling. And you know, there's like, there's that thing of, of most, uh, 99% of celebrities are, you know, they, they don't want the, it's like, I never said like, like there's probably two times in my life where I was like, Oh, I was on Sopranos with not prompted where he would scream, you know, that he's like, I'm the king of SNL or, you know, whatever. (laughs) And he just, but you loved every moment of it. He was hilarious. Mm -hmm. By Jamie's story about Jay-Z, I remember being at a net game and uh, they take you in the back, like during halftime or, or whatever. And they'd like, Oh, Hey, you could have, there's like drinks and food and whatever. And uh, the Jay-Z was walking in front of me and I was like, oh, I'm not going to bother him. You know, I had met him a couple of times. I'm like, I'm just going to, he had a bunch of people with him and somebody was like, are we going to do this tonight? And he was like, I don't care what we do as long as I'm home by nine because Sopranos are on. And I was like, this was during when Sopranos was on. And I I, I tapped him on the back and I was like, yo, and he was like, oh shit. You know, he's like, what's going on? I was just talking. He's really, uh, he was, he loved Sopranos. Yeah, he did. That's hilarious. Yeah, it sounds like yeah, Jay Z was a big was like a big Sopranos guy. Yeah, a lot of rappers were. I remember when Fat yeah. Joe came to yeah. to take a picture with uh, yeah. James. Like rappers fucking loved Sopranos. Like in my in my Nokia, I had like so many rappers phones. Yeah, phone Your numbers. Yeah, what'd you say? The little Skytel? Yeah. And my little. Same, right? That was like, we, we used to like hold them up together and you could like get each other's contacts. Yeah. I had a couple of like Yankees, I remember, and like rappers on my nice. Skytel. <laughs> I mean, I got what, Shane you know. Dawson's number if you guys need it. Jeffree <laughs> 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 Star. Oh my God. I mean, I, I love hearing these. Uh, I'm, I'm personally fascinated with that like era. Um, where it was like kind of similar to the modern era that we're living in now, but just no, like right before cell phones, right before, like you said, everybody had a camera in their pocket and social media. There was no Instagram either. Like nobody was feeling a need to document everything that they were doing all day. So everyone was very present. Like everyone was like there having a good time. Like I'm an old lady now, but like whenever I do go out or like look around, everybody's got like their phone up, like videoing themselves or I get every concert and I'm like, be here. Like, I understand right. you get a memory, but I, I, I'm so grateful. Like the, we were at the time when everyone was just, when you were there, you were there and you're present, like forget about even camera phones, just like all of it. The social media was not part of the equation then. And the other thing, right? Like, you just took it all in. Yeah, every, every celebrity back then got along because you didn't hate them for what they said on Twitter or Instagram, or you didn't already know, like, oh, oh that guy doesn't support uh, this, or he's he's right wing, or he's a, yeah. you just meet people, and you're like, oh, you're partying, I'm fucking partying too. Like, let's yeah. hang. Out. Yeah, that's well. At that time, you you couldn't find out how annoying a person was <laughs> there right. you go. That's like so cool. you could only you could only just see a person in real life or like know that you know their work and like that's all you know 
and then you see them at a party and you you're just you're both drunk yeah it's, it's probably amazing yeah and then now it's like i i mean uh, th- this is like something that bothers me a lot now is just sort of like i don't know when when people are online too much and it's uh you can see like their curated like internet version of themselves and mm-hmm. it's like annoying as shit <laughs> then you as like an outside observer like oh this is like this is what you're putting out as like the curated version of yourself like the curated version of yourself is bad right <laughs> whereas yeah. if if like i i mean i she gets thrown under the bus way too much but like girls is a, like a, an amazing show i think you know girls is a great show and if i had never seen lena dunham post anything on the internet i'd just be like oh man she's that woman that oh yeah that awesome lena show. dunham's awesome yeah that's actually pretty that's a really fun <laughs> i've never really considered like, it that I, way that's, that would be that would have been my take if yeah. i had you know well it's become this place for people to like have a rebuttal when like when it what didn't exist, it like wasn't necessary. Like you didn't have to defend yourself. But now that like it's so easy for people and you get emotional, like people think that they have to explain themselves all the time when you really don't owe anybody that you don't have to. Um, yeah. So I think that that's when it can also kind of get annoying, too. And like you want to understand it from the person's point of view. They're a human and they feel like they want to be heard about something. But sometimes I'm with you. It's a little excessive and too much. It's a tool. You can use it to be a better or worse version of yourself. You know, you yeah. that's where I think Rob has his beat because he just stopped going online as far as like Instagram and Twitter. I mean, oh, you're just like not on it, right? He's not on it. He's got this mystique, you know, Um and I've noticed that like when I I made like a conscious decision to like really scale back how much of that I put into my life. Um, I f- like I just became like a happier person, which was uh, yeah, it feels great. I mean, it, but, you know, but but unfortunately, you just can't like do what we do these days or at least like, you know, um, you can. But I mean, it's you're just have a, a higher likelihood of success if you partake, you know, if you tweet more often, if people are used to seeing yeah. your Instagrams, like every time I post an Instagram, cause it's so few people go, Oh, I'm still uh, following you. Like I got to unfollow you. Like you're just, <laughs> I barely, you know, I barely see your shit. And then all of a sudden I do, I'm reminded, but the people that are like posting every day or their stories look like, you know, dot, 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 dot. Uh, oh yeah. Are the ones that end up having, the most traction online and it's just like this tough i think that's the opposite that's like who i want to unfollow when there's like i go to someone's story and i see like 75 dots i was like i'm out i can't yeah oh yeah well i mean yeah i mean rob and jamie are both fortunate to have like rose to prominence at a time where like celebrities could still be elusive right Mm -hmm. and now i think that that's like why i mean the internet has like contributed directly to just like i don't know i think that's why people hate celebrities now more than ever (laughs) they which is like maybe good yeah in in a way but like you know the the like i you know like the i take responsibility video and stuff like that like i i feel like that that wasn't happening yeah that there was there like jamie Jamie just made a very very bad face at that oh yeah that video which one yeah i take responsibility video 
it was similar to the Gal Gadot video. I'd say oh, not oh, not the made Imagine. by the same people. It was a but... spiritual successor to Gal Gadot Imagine, <laughs> but. It was, yeah, it was just like it's, white uh, celebrities. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Well, that was with Jamie all the actors a, in uh, black and white, and they were. Um, I like. I can't find the words. I can only have the face. I thought you were talking about like yeah, an Jamie apology sighed video. Very deeply. <laughs> it's 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 a deep feeling that I haven't found the right word for. They yet. were they were apologizing yeah. for their white privilege, but they are all acting. You could tell they were acting. Yeah, like they were reading the lines eyes. off their yeah, yeah, laptops. Yeah, yeah. They were taking dramatic like, this pauses. This isn't a real feeling. You're literally reading something somebody wrote for you. Yeah, like you're yeah, playing think, a character. Right. I think half of them thought it was they were just laying down audio, you know, and then <laughs> no one was going to see. Possible. They thought yeah. it was an audition. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're auditioning for the role of a empathetic person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I've, I've also been friends with somebody though for like you know, like friendly with them for a month. And then somebody sees me with them and they're like, oh, they're like, you're friends with them. I'm like, yeah, why? They're like, haven't you seen their Instagram? I'm like, what? Mm, yeah. like, I don't even know. Yeah. What, what, what does that mean? Like, yeah. 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 People, people unfairly it. judged you for your friend, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. yeah. Don't <laughs> like, get me dude, started. what the heck? I don't have the internet. I don't know. He <laughs> no, seems cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you said you could talk 18 hours straight about that. I, I, yes. Oh my god! Jeffrey, Epstein Epstein? Uh, wait, did I know nothing? A... I have no involvement. Oh, I know okay. nothing. I'm just like <laughs> right. I just don't understand, like, <laughs> like it, just the corruption, and I don't understand why no one in the media is talking. Is like we'll cover the fact that Bill Clinton went. Like what? Like I just please yes. people, like fucking talk oh about my god. this. What the fuck? Or like PizzaGate is like pretty much. All real, you know, and like yeah, pretty uh, much is all real. Yeah, every everything that was yes. like a conspiracy theory, like a like, year and a half ago, all of a sudden it's just like like we don't need like a Facebook group to figure this out. Like it's all but why why is nobody covering this and like mainstream news? I don't understand. Yeah, well, Rob, you got to get I off mean, the mainstream. You got to get on the right part of the internet, and I'll hold your hand through it, but it's not. Gonna we're be we're the we're we're in the right we're in the right place. Rob, do you yeah. know anything about Epstein? <laughs> Oh, yeah, big time. I was watching uh, Sam Tripoli last night talk about Pizzagate, all this crazy shit, and it's just... I. Did you ever see I him in the clubs? Hearing... What's that? Did you ever see him out in the clubs in New York? I mean... I feel know. like, Rob, I feel like we have had we had to have seen him around. I was going to say, like, I feel, why do I feel to, like Rob would have a story? He recruiting. was at a Sopranos premiere, for sure, something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I know, I thought... Like, I didn't have any memories of meeting Donald Trump. And then, like, somebody showed me pictures of, like, me at a party that Donald Trump was, like, five feet away. And I'm like, I guess I – you just – for like, it, it's – again, talking about, like, phone numbers, it would be like trying to remember every number in my phone, you know? Of, like, I, I was going out for eight years or something like that every fucking night. So it's, like, to claim that I – can be like, yeah, I hung out. I, I never hung out with Jeffrey Epstein. And then somebody was like, oh, no, you were at this party with him. I'd be like, oh, or like a dinner where there was like 20 people and he was at the one end of the table. And it, where it's like somebody might have been like, hey, this is my friend Jeff. And I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And you heard yeah. it here first, folks. Yeah. Rob yeah. has uh, we cannot I mean, guarantee that he has not hung out with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, the yeah, it's the it's it's funny that you brought up the Trump thing because he is. He was like such a star fucker, and oh. he like kind of still is, like the way yeah. when he like, yeah, I mean he's like uh you know like a caddy like New York media gossip. He's literally the same exact person as the president. Like the nothing has yeah. changed. 
as like the yeah, guy it's every day. I love searching Graydon Carter from real Donald Trump on Twitter and just seeing all of the like all of his tweets about I mean my favorite Donald Trump tweet by far is uh <laughs> is Graydon Carter is mad that his VF Oscar party is no longer hot. <laughs> he loves he loves to tweet about like yeah Graydon Carter's failing magazine and his bad food restaurant. Yeah, the food restaurant's <laughs> my if favorite. If you search bad food restaurant That's from gross. real Donald Trump on Twitter, he's tweeted bad food restaurant so many times. Oh my god. Um, you know but, he used yeah, to I'm call so- up he used to call up shows as his own publicist. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, had oh, a name. wow. Did he? Yeah. He would pretend he like they, angle... they showed a thing where it was like, I don't know if it was audio or voice voice messages or something um, or even emails back as this publicist. But the speaking pattern was the exact same. Oh, yeah. As Donald Trump. Yes. Oh, yeah. That it was video very is obvious amazing. that he was running his own promotion, his own PR. <laughs> Did he ever angle for a Sopranos cameo? Oh, he was probably so mad that he didn't get one. You know? I guess it was mostly in I Jersey. Feel like he had to have. He had to have like tried, at the very least. I lived in one of his buildings um, by the UN. I always say it's like the middle finger of the skyline. It's like the big black tall one. The Columbus Circle one. Oh, the UN. Uh, um, yeah. And I got called into like a meeting to meet him. Cause, like, oh my god! Hell yeah. And I went to his Fifth Avenue office. I remember being like, is he going to give me free rent? Like, what is at what am I here for? Um, And it was a very odd, like, six-minute meeting. I remember him being like, you're much more attractive than than on television. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you. Oh, he tried to neg you? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I wasn't getting the vibe, but I think he was, like, giving me his approval. That I was yeah, like pretty girl. That, but that's such a like pickup artist move of like, oh, you're so much more attractive than you are on television. Yeah, and then that's you, one of our moves. You're as, like, what does that mean? As the recipient of that is like, wait, so am I ugly on TV? Or <laughs> like, you know. But by the way, right. he was not the first person that said that. People tell me that all the time. That's strange. That's so weird. It doesn't that that looks don't ever matter to me. So that didn't even matter. But and then I remember him being like, do you have what are your aspirations after the show? And I was like, I don't know to keep acting <laughs> like I don't I don't know. And he's like, is everyone there an- well in the building? And I'm like, yes, it was very strange. I mean, that kind of what was his end game for this meeting. Nothing. It was Bad. literally like six minutes long. And it was like, well, lovely meeting you. If there's anything you ever need, you can call my secretary or whatever. And I'm like, okay. he's probably just feeling you out just to see if there was like if you were what my vibe was. Which yeah, was like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he got him down right away. So his move is to just make it seem professional. And well, if you ever need anything, you know, you know where it to find. It was just me. a six-minute vibe check. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. that's like lines up with my impression of him. Where it's like, I think like using his businesses to try to like get in social circles and like just be around people that he perceives to be like in. And like the presidency sure. is probably like the the furthest extreme of that where it's like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I need to just like take this one step further and mm-hmm. just like, but then Jamie using it for the dumbest things, using it for the dumbest whoa, shit. Too. Whoa, whoa. I didn't hang out with him. That's your like, best friend. <laughs> you were like you and him were like me and Casim. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You were on a plane, right? You were on a plane. And, and you yeah, were no, on I, I happened to be on a, 
a plane with him. I've actually never told this story. Yeah, you have. You told it to us. Story? Yeah, you oh, told. You've YBS told us. exclusive. On the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Before video, let's get it out. I there. was on a private plane. Some rich man. I so I was going to Cannes Film Festival for the short film that I was in, and the woman director was like, "Oh, I got a ride for us on so and so's private plane." I was like, "Okay, dope." Remember, I was going to be there for my thirtieth birthday. I was like, you know, I was single at the time. Like, what have I got to lose? I want. I'll go to Cannes. On the plane was like a bunch of the Pittsburgh Penguins because like his friend owned the team and Harvey Weinstein and his huh? like, two <laughs> and what the director and the guy whose plane it was and his girlfriend and when I th- when I say a plane it was like a flying penthouse like there were multiple bedrooms it was the biggest plane I've ever seen in my by life. the way let me pause right there in 2020 you can't just like say a guy's private plane you need to you can't leave that mystery open oh you got to clarify you got to clarify a billionaire yeah it wasn't the famous it wasn't the famous at least say that it's not a certain billionaire by the name of jeffrey epstein yeah. No, 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 no. This was not Jeffrey Epstein's plane. Okay, I good. didn't say that. What do you mean? Well, I mean, just clarify here, because, I mean, people are going to be Correct. thinking. People this are gonna is be not, thinking. It was a CEO not of a Wayfair. Not a criminal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jamie's like, I've been screaming this from the rooftops. I don't know why no one will cover it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, it was a long flight. It was going to be like a 13-hour flight. I was, like, very uncomfortable, um, everyone was like kind of watching movies. So I popped like half an Ambien and like went to go fall asleep, which was probably not the smartest move, you know, being like a young girl by myself on this plane. Um, and I was woken up by Harvey saying, Hey, uh, Jamie, um, come, come into the bedroom and I want you to pretend like you asked to come sleep with me. I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to do anything. Just go in the room and pretend, and I'm going to tell them that that's what you did. And I was like, no, no, what? No, I don't like this. No, no, thank you. But you have to understand, like, at this time, he's like the biggest. I would have, I would never, like, you know, sacrifice myself or compromise myself in any way. It's not who I am. But this is like a very powerful man in Hollywood. I'm on half. Get you an Oscar if you if you wanted. For sure. And he gives. He just gives off that vibe of like, I am powerful. You're gonna listen to me. And I remember being like, No, no. And he's like, Well, just why don't you just go lay down in there? Um. He's like, I'm in there talking to them. So I kind of like went in and like sat on the edge of the bed, and I was just so confused. And then. He like comes in. He's like, look, look, she came into my bedroom, whatever. And I was oh, like, no, I, I was so bad at being in on the joke. I was like, he, I don't know what's going on. And then like went back out. And like, I remember one of the hockey players was like, do you want me to like stay here and like protect you? I was like, yes, please. Shout out to the penguins, by the way. Right? Shout out to the Pittsburgh wow. penguins. His name was Jordan Stahl. Jordan they, Stahl. Shout out to Jordan, Jordan Stahl. Stahl. Respect. Yeah, Cosby was on the plane. Okay, but also yeah. wait, who? Sidney Crosby. Like a, oh, really wait. Why was why why were the Pittsburgh Penguins going the to? They owned that team, and they had just won the Stanley Cup. Oh, Jesus! Wow. And then Harvey won. I mean, and first of all, just, that's horrifying. Weird. And I realize I'm like, I, I mean, if I was game, he probably would have done whatever. Also. I mean, that that's a scary story in hindsight, but also it's yeah. like kind of pathetic 
hearing it because it's like, what was that dude like, fifty eight at the time, and like, what was he trying to even, even like his lie is just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm trying. It's funny, like a girl wants to sleep with me, like haha, I'm gonna tell them. He's like, my assistant th- thinks you're hot, so I want him to think that you came after me and not him. Yeah, but like, that's like some shit that like a 16-year-old would try to do. Be- that, well, it's just yeah. like, what are you Trump doing? You're- it's, all, it's all in like the image and like it's how... All of them are like, yes. Like if somebody... But it's also, again, him negging you. Like, hey, my assistant thinks you're hot. You know, like, not, I, not me, what but... What are you saying? His assistant didn't think I was hot? No, no, no. He's <laughs> saying like, he's he doesn't think you're hot. His assistant... No, of course, of course. This didn't think sure. It's like, yeah, okay, Harvey. It's one of those things that's like presented within the framework of a prank, but it's just baffling. You're like, right. what's the prank? What? Right. Like, that's <laughs> can you? Yeah. I don't know. I think you just are lying. <laughs> like, you're just yeah. telling a lie that's not really a prank. You're like just manipulating something. I feel like I remember leaving that whole thing being like, I don't like Hollywood. Like, if yeah. this, was, this is what that is. I don't want to do this. Like, this just feels not like yeah. I don't, it doesn't feel safe and I don't like it. Yeah, that's gross. I oh, mean, man, I'll, I'll play a practical joke any day to get on that. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. You're trying to hang. Yeah. Did you dodge any bullets? Do you have any bullet dodging stories, Rob? Uh, no, they all hit me. God, you didn't meet any. Didn't have any similar? You never met Harvey or Jeffrey. No, I I have uh, stories where, like, you know, uh, there were people uh, taking oxycotton, and for some reason, I was like, no, you know, I think I'm not gonna. I think I'll stick with Percocet. So, like, I didn't jump to that next level. Like, I was always Mm kind of scared of like. Like I never wanted to do anything with the needle or like the the idea of meth always turned me off. So I never smoked meth and like things like that. Uh, I feel very lucky to have dodged those bullets because if I did dive into that shit, I don't know what would happen. I will say even in like Rob's deep drug use as somebody who's really close with him, like he's such a strong and like intelligent individual I, I know this might sound weird, but it's I al- always trusted him that he would be okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I always, I didn't know he would necessarily be, like, where he's at today. But I always knew he would, like, end up all right or never make too wrong of a decision, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, And for me, I was always so young and, like, insecure and fucked up that it definitely could have happened. But for Rob since you were super young, you always have put that off and you are that person that can just like, you can handle everything. Yeah. Well, I think also there's like, people have that image of like, like you said, you grew up with TV. It's like people also think of drug addicts through TV where it's always this sad, you know, always this person who you're like, man, somebody better help him. Or we don't even know where with me. It was always like, Oh, Rob's just having fun. Like, you know, look at him. He's having a fucking ball. He's standing on top of the fucking table and he's got a bottle of fucking whatever and he's dancing and there's girls and they're like, why? What, what do you mean? He's fine. You know, it yeah. wasn't like yeah. I was, uh, you know, like on, in, on uh, in like a tent city in like downtown L.A. just fucking, you know, looking to score drugs or whatever. Yeah. God Cass, damn. Cass, do you got any wild party stories? 
Well, I mean, you know, at the uh, end of the first VidCon, you know, I was in a room with Vitaly and uh, Roman Atwood and, you know, a lot of these guys. Um, oh, yeah, Vitaly, bro. The great. I, forgot, I forgot he would put Nutella on girls' butts. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have any stories. You know, and if I did, they wouldn't be interested. I mean, the whole world from what, you know, they kind of lived in, in my world is just so, so dark. I mean, I would have taken being almost raped by Harvey Weinstein nine out of ten times out of the shit that I had to do as a YouTube uh, YouTuber. So, I mean, it's 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 great to hear um, what, like, being a real celebrity is like. I mean, it's you know? fa- it's fascinating, but also it's like, yeah. you know... It's kind of what you imagine, but then not exactly hearing the stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's well, interesting. I, I mean, JB, you've been in, involved in like, I, I feel like a lot. I mean, not besides just the Sopranos, just like big cultural. Th- I mean, you're you were on I mean, Entourage. Jizz in my pants. Just Entourage. Jizz in my, my pants. I've probably gotten recognized or like props for Jizz in my pants just as much as Sopranos. And I'll, I'll take it. Is that so? Yeah, like that same amount accident too. You know what? I was in town for Jim Gandolfini's wedding. He was having a yes. wedding celebration in New York and I happened to be in town. And my friend that was friends with Andy called me and was like, cause I guess Andy called her and was like, who do you, do you know of like your actress friends that are in town that you think would be like down to do this ridiculous video with us? And she's like, Jamie, yeah. Jamie's cool. I think Jamie would be down. And that's how it all happened. Um, and I, that's great. I'm such a fan of those boys. And I think everything they do is so great. So I love, I love doing it. Um, yeah. And check Jamie and- out on beef house, the Tim and Eric show. Right. Yes. I was gonna, I was gonna mention B. I, I am, uh, I'm a fan of beef I house. I love my beef boys. I we were you a big were you a big Tim and Eric person before that? <laughs> I mean, big Eric Andre, and then like I've seen I've seen stuff of Tim and Eric. Um, it was definitely out of the blue when I got the call from the two of them asking me to do it. Yeah. Um, but you know they like to you know cast against type, and they're really big Sopranos fans. Um, so I yeah. jumped at it. it. Was it was literally we shot it for like a month here in the valley and. I mean, the guy, they're such an interesting group of characters. Like, you know, then her. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all the, yeah, Tennessee Luke. One Um, of the more interesting people I've ever met in my life. Like, I I really was, felt like I was in another world. I mean, like, the amount of me too's from those boys that could have happened that you just kind of like. (laughs) They they don't, they know no other way. It's okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Like. You know, from Ron especially, but I, like I loved him. They were <laughs> they were so sweet, and Tim and Eric are such intelligent, like smart, funny guys. It was, it's it's cool to get to do stuff like that that I never think I would ever be able to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tim and Eric was like that was massive for me, like middle school and high school, and we've had yeah. we've like had Heidecker on the podcast, and I've like acted with him a little bit, and you know, they're like heroes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's awesome that you're like a part of that. Yeah, it was cool. All right. Um, well, I mean we've been right, podcasting well, for a very very long time, guys. Um, yes. Have. This, this is I great. can't. Be- I just looked at my phone. I can't. I believe know. The time me it. too. I'm like the sun's starting to set, so I figured we could let you guys go. But um, yeah, thank you. It was you great for, having uh, you guys on and it. 
after this is all over, I mean, maybe we could do an in-person one sometime. For sure. For thanks sure. For having us. Yeah, thanks, yeah, guys. Thanks, Appreciate guys. It. Thanks for coming um, on. Any uh, yeah, plug? Do you want to... Uh, yeah, our podcast, pod. Pajama Pants Podcast, and we're on Instagram uh, under the same name, and we put out episodes once a week, and we got a YouTube channel that we put the video version on, and and I'm on uh, Instagram as well, and Jamie's on Instagram, and you can find us there. Thank you so much for having Thanks, us. guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Later.